Welcome to Health Data Talks, where industry experts offer bite-sized tips and trends for managing legacy data. Thanks for joining us. I'm Shannon Larkin from Harmony Healthcare IT, and I'm joined today by Dr. Colin Bannis, who is the Chief Medical Officer at Dr. First. Thanks for being here, Colin. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so our conversation is coming off the heels of an announcement that our two companies have come together with an aim of improving the EHR data conversion for physicians. And I have to say, the relationship with Dr. First so far has really been positive and quite productive. So you have a great team over there. I appreciate that. I, I think it's an exciting time. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about your transition. You were a CMIO and then you came over to Dr. First how long ago? Yeah, pretty interesting career uh, trajectory for me. So I was the chief medical information officer for Virginia Commonwealth University Health System. So that's a academic health system in Richmond, Virginia, where I actually still live. I was there for 17 years practicing hospitalist medicine and informatics. And then, as you mentioned, as the chief medical information officer. And about three years ago, over three years ago now, I actually left to join Dr. First as their chief medical officer to help with innovation and strategy. Perfect. So let's talk specifically about data conversion and its impact on clinicians. So start off by telling us a little bit about the drivers, you know, for most EHR conversions today. What's the clinical landscape look like with EHR consolidation? Yeah, it's it's still occurring. There was a period of time where a lot of us thought, oh, everyone has an EHR now. The landscape will sort of settle out. And really, that's not occurring. You're still seeing quite a number of transitions from what I would consider some of the legacy EHRs into more contemporary ones. So a lot of epic conversions, for example. There's also a lot of consolidation among hospitals and practices. And so when, you know, when a practice or a hospital gets acquired or scooped up, there is almost always a desire to consolidate onto the core EMR of the acquiring entity. So a lot of that is still occurring in the landscape as well. And so uh, you're still seeing quite a bit of activity in the EHR, what I would say the consolidation space. And of course, with those consolidations comes the need to migrate data. Right. And I I hear you on the M&A side. In our client base alone, there is just constant activity with that. And a couple of these recent mega mergers have hit us in our wheelhouse too. So you're right, the, the need for taking a look at the legacy data is important. So if we drop down to the data conversion itself, what should that look like ideally from a clinical perspective when the clinician is ready to log in after the conversion has happened? Yeah, I have to, you know, from the clinical perspective, it's got to be safe, right? It's got to be accurate. It's got to be consumable in the, you know, in the correct format, if you will. You know, if I'm logging into my the, the new EHR, for example, and the medications aren't there or I can't trust what is there or it's all free text or blob text, you know, in such a way that the system can't use it for things like allergy checking or interaction checking and someone on my team or even myself has to re-input that data, that's just a huge, huge barrier to not only patient safety, but also things like efficiency. And, you know, this is all leading to things like the burnout side of the equation as well. And so I can't stress enough how how fundamental it is to get data migration, data conversion accurate and safe. Right. And that's going to take a lot of time on the physician side, hence the burnout. So 
So if it's not happening most of the time that the data is coming over in the right way, what's causing that data inconsistency and what's causing that manual entry by physicians? Yeah, this was the eye-opening experience for me. Even though we've been doing e-prescribing for, you know, ostensibly 20 years now, and of course there are standards for e-prescribing and there are standards within EHRs for how this data is stored, et cetera. The data is still dirty, especially when it's trying to go from system A to system B. A lot of that inconsistency in the, in the data happens because of things like different drug compendia. You know, there are drug databases like Multum, but there's also First Data Bank. There's also Lexicom. You know, there, and while there's considerable overlap between them, they don't always talk to each other. And so if you don't get the essential identity of the drug translated correctly, you know, that's a huge problem. So I would say different models for uh, what is structured data is a big cause. And then also the instruction data, or, you know, you'll, you'll hear clinicians call it the SIG data. A lot of that is still free text, which is, you know, again, I don't think a lot of people, especially on the patient side, realize that there is all of this free text that's still floating in the ether. And so when you have inconsistent compendia and a lot of free text, you're just setting yourself up for basically, you know, non-consumable data when you're trying to send it from system A to system B. And that's where you're getting all of this manual rework to make, to look at that data, to re-input it into whatever the receiving system is expecting. Mm -hmm. So, and that's where the alliance between Harmony and Dr. First comes in, right? So can you describe artificial intelligence and how that's solving these, you know, I guess, data fidelity issues yeah, with EHRs? Uh, yeah. And it, it, I think this is a match made in heaven between Dr. First and Harmony. We have a, a patented technology that, that we call SMART. So in the Dr. First lexicon, if you hear the word SMART, like SMART Suite or SMART SIG, it's all really referring to this AI that is a decade in the making. That AI is actually continually updated, continually learning. So we're processing uh, here at Dr. First about 15 and a half million transactions per day as it relates to medication prescriptions, medication data. And so that AI is able to do the things that I just referred to as pain points earlier. We're able to make sure that the NDCs are appropriately converted and matching to the receiving system. And then probably more, more impressively, we're able to take the free text that's inherent in a lot of that data specifically the instruction data, and restructure it. We can normalize it. We can make sure that it turns back into structure and that it turns into the structure that the system is expecting. A really simple example would be, you know, the original prescription might have said, take one tab oral daily, but the receiving system doesn't have tab. They have tablets. They don't use oral. They use the term uh, PO, and they don't have daily. They use QD. You know, that sounds really simple, but those things actually matter. And those are where a lot of the translations can fall apart. And that's what we can step in and fix uh, in concert with Harmony. Right. And what percentage of the time does that work? I mean, I would imagine that AI isn't going to solve it 100% of the time. So what, what role does the physician play for MedRec, you know, when there's an exception? Yeah. So th this is the beautiful thing about it. And, and you're spot on. There's no AI that is ever going to be a hundred percent. If anyone says, uh, oh, we do this a hundred percent of the time, I would challenge them, especially when it comes to machine learning or artificial intelligence. 
we have about a 93% success rate. And I'll tell you the, the 7% that we don't convert is intentional. So we would rather have no data flow into those fields, or at least only the data that we know is, is reliable flow into those fields, than have bad data flow into those fields. So in the clinical landscape, there can be really complex sets of instructions. So if you think about if you've ever been on a blood thinner, sometimes the doctor will say, well, take two tablets on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and take one tablet on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and, and skip Sunday. Well, we don't want to get that wrong. That's pretty complex. So we know that the tablet is, you know, a tab or a tablet, however your system wants it. We know those are oral, but we're not going to fill in the dose and the frequency in that situation because we want a clinician, a human, the nurse, the pharmacist, the doctor, to make sure that they input that correctly. So that's really, you know, there is a considerable set of uh, guardrails that are included in the AI. When we're doing these conversions, we're doing them safely. Right. And I know that David Sellers from Dr. First joined Jim Hammer on our team, and they they actually put together a 30-minute webinar, which I'll have to put the, the link to that in our show notes for this. But I remember that David had said, no answer is better than a wrong answer. So, but 93% is a lot better than if you didn't have that working in the background. If a migration happened and we didn't use the AI, who on the physician side would typically do the med rec? Is it them personally or do they bring in other resources? It's all over the place in the landscape. If you go all the way back to if you're not using a data migration service, you know, such as Harmony with Dr. First, a lot of that is manual entry. You know, sometimes you outsource, you know, to clinicians in their downtime, uh, pretty expensive to re-input this data, you know, looking at system A and then typing it back into system B. If you get past that initial migration piece, typically for the med rec that you're referring to, a lot of that will fall on the nurse or the nursing staff as part of intake to get the medication list correct. But I've seen it all the way, you know, where it's a medical assistant or it's a pharmacy tech, all the way to the physician themselves having to make sure that this list is correct before they go through the uh, act of reconciling it. So it really is all over the place. Gotcha. And, you know, interoperability, I've been in health IT for a long time and interoperability has always been a word that we've talked about. Do you think the 21st Century Cures Act will help with some of this? Just like you said, I'm sure m will continue on and there will always be system transitions from system A to system B as practices and hospitals are acquired and they just move to a different instance of Epic, what, CERN or whatever. How do you think the Cures Act will impact interoperability overall? I'm very hopeful for it because you're right. We've been talking about this you know, over a decade now. Oh, interoperability is going to cure everything. I'm finally going to have access to the, the data that I need you know, in real time. And to some extent, the industry has gotten better. There is data that I can see from external sources a lot of times. But again, a lot of that data is blob text or free text and, and not consumable in an easy format. You know, in some ways, we actually have too much data at times coming our way, whereas what we really need is clean data and consolidated data. I think the 21st Century Cures Act is going to accelerate a lot of the interoperability standards and expectations because now you're really involving the patients in it. The patients are having, you know, greater access to their own data and, and how that data is used and where that data can be sent. 
And there's going to be pressure to make sure that that data is being sent safely and accurately. So I think you're involving another you know, lever in the equation that will help accelerate true interoperability or what I call semantic interoperability, where we're actually exchanging the data and it's preserving its original intent. Right. Yeah. And I think this partnership will will go a long way in making data conversions a lot easier for the clinicians, at least the ones that our collective companies will work with. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited about the partnership and I'm glad you were able to come on and join us and impart a little bit, a little bit more about the AI and how the technology is working. Oh, it was wonderful to chat. Happy to do it. Great. And to our audience, thanks for listening. Join us next time for another short discussion around strategies for managing legacy data to continue to strengthen healthcare delivery. That's it for this session of Health Data Talks. Check out helpful resources at HarmonyHIT.com and follow us in your favorite podcast app to catch future episodes. We'll see you next time.